Good morning, good day, good evening. Welcome to The Mystic Show. And my name is Chris Curran. And this is the show where we spend an hour every morning. Well, it's morning here in New Jersey. Um, but around the world, it may be afternoon or even evening. But we spend an hour every day talking about spirituality and meditation and mindfulness and all the things that are vital to our own spiritual journey. And quite often that includes things that are unseen and otherworldly. And because they're otherworldly, they're not accepted by everyone, especially by, well, society in general, usually. I think spirituality and, you know, mysticism has always been the underground, right? It's not the mainstream, it's the underground, which is good because... I think anything that becomes mainstream is, um, its days are numbered. So in a way, spirituality can never become mainstream. Among other reasons. (laughs) So I'm glad you could join me today. And our website, have you seen our website yet? It is www.themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, and you can also find our phone number there, and you can call into the show live. Again, we do the show every morning, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, that's New York City time, and we actually replay that show in the evening twice at 8 p.m. and 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And then, of course, all the episodes are archived as podcasts on the website, themysticshow.net. And our phone number, you can get it from the website. I'll just say it once. Uh, 973-498-8033. And if you have a question or a comment about anything we're talking about, feel free to give a call. Or you can even send a send a message through the website as well, through the Contact Us page. You can send us a little note. So we're going to jump right in here because we have a wonderful guest coming up in about 30 minutes. It is Mystic Maria. Yes. What a blessing, right? To have Mystic Maria coming on this show. It makes me very happy. So we're going to jump right in here to our James Allen book, Byways of Blessedness. And I think this is episode, well, I'm not keeping track of the episodes by numbers, but this might be the 20th show. And I think we're a little, we're definitely more than halfway through of this book. Actually, yeah, we're about two thirds of the way through, so... This has been great. I don't know if you've listened to any of the previous shows, but we've been reading from this James Allen book, 
byways of blessedness. And we've just started at the beginning and we've been reading a little bit every day. Right? So we're on chapter 8, which is called Seeing No Evil. Seeing No Evil. And he's really talking about really seeing things as they are instead of how we judge them to be. Because really when we look at things, we're using our own past, our own habits, our own mental habits, our own judgments, and we judge something. But, and quite often, if it's different from ourselves, we don't like it. We will label it as bad or wrong, you know. My opinion is right. Your opinion is wrong. So that's, in a way, seeing the evil in others. So James Allen is talking about seeing no evil. And we're going to finish this chapter, and he he kind of, he has a little uh, dialogue here that he, um, I don't think it's a real dialogue. I think it's just uh, <clears throat> between two people. We're going to call them A and B. And uh, so I'll read the paragraph before this little dialogue, and then I'll continue after it, and um, that'll be it. So this is chapter, finishing up chapter 8, which is called Seeing No Evil of the book Byways of Blessedness by James Allen. Men hate, condemn, resist, and inflict suffering upon each other, not because they are intrinsically evil, not because they are deliberately wicked, or are doing in the full light of truth what they know to be wrong, but because they regard such conduct as necessary and right. All men are intrinsically good but some are wiser than others, are older in experience than others. I recently heard, in substance, the following conversation between two men who I will call A and B. The third person referred to as X is a prominent politician. A. Every man reaps the result of his own thoughts and deeds and suffers for his own wrong. B. If that is so, and if no man can escape from the penalty of his evil deeds, what an inferno some of our men in power must be preparing themselves for. A. Whether a man is in power or not, so long as he lives in ignorance and sin, he will reap sorrow and suffering. B. Look, for instance, at X, a man totally evil, given up entirely to selfishness and ambition. Surely great torments are reserved for so unprincipled a man. A. But how do you know he is so evil? B. By his works, his fruits, 
When I see a man doing evil, I know that he is evil. And I cannot even think of X, but I burn with righteous indignation. I am sometimes inclined to doubt that there is an overruling power for good when I see such a man in a position where he can do so much harm to others. A. What evil is he committing? B. His whole policy is evil. He will ruin the country if he remains in power. A. But while there are large numbers of people who think of X as you do, there are also large numbers, equally intelligent, who look on him as good and able, who admire him for his excellent qualities, and regard his policy as beneficent and make for national progress. He owes his position to these people. Are they also evil? B. They are deceived and misled. And this only makes X's evil all the greater, in that he can so successfully employ his talents in deceiving others in order to gain his own selfish ends. I hate the man. A. May it not be possible that you are deceived? B. In what way? A. Hatred is self-deception. Love is self-enlightenment. No man can see either himself or others clearly until he ceases from hatred and practices love. B. That sounds very beautiful, but it is impracticable. When I see a man doing evil to others and deceiving and misleading them, I must hate him. It is right that I should do so. X is without a spark of conscience. A. X may or may not be all you believe to be. But, even if he is, according to your own words, he should be pitied and not condemned. B. How so? A. You say he is without a conscience. B. Entirely so. A. Then he is a mental cripple. Do you hate the blind because they cannot see? The dumb because they cannot speak? Or the deaf because they cannot hear? When a captain has lost his rudder or broken his compass, do you condemn him because he did not keep his ship off the rocks? Do you hold him responsible for the loss of life? If a man is totally devoid of conscience, he is without the means of moral guidance, and all his selfishness must, 
perforce, appear to him good and right and proper. X may appear evil to you, but is he evil to himself? Does he regard his own conduct as evil? B. Whether he regards himself as evil or not, he is evil. A. If I were to regard you as evil because of your hatred for X, should I be right? B. No. A. Why not? B. Because in such a case, hatred is necessary, justifiable, and righteous. There is such a thing as righteous anger, righteous hatred. A. Is there such a thing as righteous selfishness, righteous ambition, righteous evil? I should be quite wrong in regarding you as evil, because you are doing what you are convinced is right. Because you regard your hatred for X as part of your duty as a man and a citizen. Nevertheless, there is a better way than that of hatred. And it is the knowledge of this better way that prevents me from hating X as you do. Because however wrong his conduct might appear to me, it is not wrong to him nor to his supporters. Moreover, all men reap as they sow. B. What then is that better way? A. It is the way of love, the ceasing to regard others as evil. It is a blessed and peaceful state of heart. B. Do you mean that there is a state which a man can reach wherein he will not grow angry when he sees people doing evil? A. No, I do not mean that. For while a man regards others as evil, he will continue to grow angry with them. But I mean that a man can reach a state of calm insight and spotless love wherein he sees no evil to grow angry with, wherein he understands the various natures of men how they are prompted to act, and how they reap, as the harvest of their own thoughts and deeds, the tares of sufferings, and the corn of bliss. To reach that state is to regard all men with compassion and love. B. The state that you picture is a very high one. It is, no doubt, a very holy and beautiful one. But it is a state that I should be sorry to reach, and I should pray to be preserved from a state of mind 
where I could not hate a man like X with an intense hatred. So the dialogue ends there, and we'll continue reading the chapter right here. Thus, by this conversation, it will be seen that B regarded his hatred as good. Even so, all men regard that which they do as necessary to be done. The things which men habitually practice, those things they believe in. When faith in a thing wholly ceases, it ceases to be practiced. B's individual liberty is equal to that of other men, and he has a right to hate another if he so wishes. Nor will he abandon his hatred until he discovers, by the sorrow and unrest which it entails, his wrong and foolish and blind it is, and how, by its practice, he is injuring himself. A great teacher was once asked by one of his disciples to explain the distinction between good and evil. And holding his hand with the fingers pointing downward, he said, Where is my hand pointing? And the disciple replied, It is pointing downward. Then, turning his hand upward, the teacher asked, Where now is my hand pointing? And the disciple answered, It is pointing upward. That, said the teacher, is the distinction between evil and good. By this simple illustration, he indicated that evil is merely wrongly directed energy and good rightly directed energy and that the so-called evil man becomes good by reversing his conduct. To understand the true nature of evil by living in the good is to cease to see other men as evil. Blessed is he who, turning from the evil in others, exerts himself in the purification of his own heart, he shall one day become of two pure eyes to behold evil. Knowing the nature of evil, what does it behoove man to do? It behooves him to live only in that which is good. Therefore, if a man condemn me, I will not condemn him in return. If he revile me, I will give him kindness. If he slander me, I will speak of his good qualities. If he hate me, then he greatly needs and shall receive 
my love. With the impatient, I will be patient. With the greedy, I will be generous. And with the violent and quarrelsome, I will be mild and peaceable. Seeing no evil, whom should I hate or who to regard as mine enemy? He who sees men as evil imagines that behind those acts which are called wicked, there is a corporate and substantial evil prompting those particular sins. But he of stainless vision sees the deeds themselves as evil and knows that there is no evil power, no evil soul or man behind those deeds. The substance of the universe is good. There is no substance of evil. Good alone is permanent. There is no fixed or permanent evil. As brothers and sisters, born of the same parents, and being of one household, love each other through all vicissitudes. See no evil in each other, but overlook all errors, and cling together in the strong bonds of affection, even so the good man sees humanity as one spiritual family, born of the same father-mother, being of the same essence, and making for the same goal. And he regards all men and women as his brothers and sisters, makes no divisions and distinctions, sees none as evil, but is at peace with all. Happy is he who attains to this blessed state. All right, we'll take a short break and ponder that, the end of that amazing chapter. Welcome back to The Mystic Show, and thanks to uh, the band called Dawn of Midi 
for this little piece of music. They, um, I just was introduced to this band yesterday, and they, that music sounds electronic to you, doesn't it? But it's actually not. It's actually being played on real instruments by real human beings. And I'm pretty sure their album is around 45 minutes straight of this evolving sort of trance-like music, which I haven't even heard the whole thing, but, but thank you to Dawn of Midi. The album is called Dysnomia. So, and of course, this is The Mystic Show, and our website is themysticshow.net. And our phone number is there as well. We're going to have a guest on in about five minutes, but um, I quickly wanted to discuss a topic that uh, to me is very interesting. And I've, you know, of all the spiritual and esoteric literature I've read over the years, I've heard this quite often. You hear. You know, the saints or the mystics, they tell us to, you know, basically take the middle path. You know, basically practice moderation and don't really go to extremes one way or the other. So I think in modern day life, there's a lot of extremes Right There's a lot of extremes that really, you know, like even drinking, drinking too much coffee is, is an extreme, right? So when things happen in the extreme, that's when we can sort of get off balance, right? I mean, if you drank 25 cups of coffee a day, you would definitely be out of balance, so, the mystic way is to take the middle road, have a normal amount of coffee, or none. But even none, that's, that might be the extreme in the other direction. And actually, since returning from India about a month and a half ago, I haven't drank any coffee which was uh, kind of a change for me. And I'm really not sure why. I, I really don't know why. I mean, it, it was sort of a conscious decision. I just don't want to get into that routine, right? Because it becomes a routine. You know, you wake up, you go, you know, or on the way to work, you stop at the same store, you get your coffee. Then, of course, you get a donut too because you're a little hungry. <laughs> so, So the middle path, the path of moderation. We've been told so many times, this is the way of the mystic. And really, in a way, it's just being natural. You know, I think just being natural, living naturally is, it. it's kind of like a lost art because we're so distracted with so many things. Like social media. Take, for instance, Twitter. I really like Twitter. I think Twitter is very valuable and powerful. But if I was to spend 
nine hours a day on Twitter, that would be too much. <laughs> I mean, right? So what's the middle way, the middle path? Maybe maybe check into Twitter once a day for five, ten minutes. I don't know. Maybe it's a little more than that. Maybe it's a little less. So I think we each have to find our own middle path. But the concept is really great because it's a pretty much known fact that even good things, if we if we take them in excess, they become bad for us. Right? So if the doctor gives you some medicine and he says take one pill every day, if you take 14 pills every day, that's really not good, right? That I mean, you might die. So just because something is good doesn't mean that more is better, right? And, and there's a zillion examples I'm sure you can think of in your own life. And on one of our other shows last night, uh, the Campfire Show, where Doc South and I interview entertainers, we were interviewing uh, Ken Costera, whose father was uh, Chuck Coaster, a famous singer from uh, early 20th century and mid-20th century. Um, he, he was, we were talking about his dad a little bit, and Ken mentioned this one line that his dad told him that he never forgot. He, re- he remembers when his dad told him. I think they were in the car coming from a certain event and you know I, I think they were talking about someone who was really doing a lot of extreme things to get more attention or to get more publicity you know almost like making a fool of themselves just to get more publicity and, and earn money which obviously a lot of the celebrities today that's what they're doing they're just trying to be shocking to to get you to look at them Meanwhile, they're ruining their whole reputation, their whole self-respect and everything. Um, I won't name names, but there's someone <laughs> doing that to the extreme right now. I'm, you probably know who it is. But Ken Costera was sitting in, was with his dad, and his dad said to him, somewhere in between lies the answer. And I thought that was such a great quote. Somewhere in between lies the answer. And on this, you know, the middle path, the way of moderation, the way of the mystic, that's usually the answer in our lives, right? To different situations. Usually the middle path is the best path. And of course, maybe not 100% of the time, because life is life. Stuff happens. But it's it's a great concept to think about. I just wanted to bring it up real quick. I um I do want to get to our guest. So, um if you have any questions or comments on the middle path and this quote by uh by Chuck Coaster, somewhere in between lies the answer. Um definitely comment on the page or or give us a call another time, but so we're going to take a quick little break and then we're going to uh we're going to have our guest on the phone.
thank you to Enya for this musical interlude. It's called Falling Embers. And she makes the analogy that the skies, the stars in the sky are like falling embers. Anyway, very nice piece. You're listening to The Mystic Show. We broadcast on The Fractal Stream every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. That's New York City time. We spend an hour talking about spirituality, personal development, mindfulness, and really all about the different aspects of our spiritual journey. And right now, we're going to get our guest on the phone, Mystic Maria. I'm dialing her number right now. Hello. Hi, Maria. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Yes, I'm very good. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, Mystic Maria, Maria Mantadakis, um, spiritual aspirant, certified Dale Carnegie instructor, um, you know, holder of wisdom, sharer of light and love. I mean, Maria, it, thank you so much for coming on the show again, really. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Yeah. So today we were going to just um, talk about, you know, some of the books that have influenced us on our journey. Um, you know, you've been on the path for many years, and so have I, and probably all the listeners have been as well. Um, and we all know that at times there's certain books, you know, just random, sometimes it's random, a book that you'll read about spirituality and it just really strikes a chord within you. Um, I remember I used to, probably 15, 20 years ago, me and my friend uh, Dave Prudenti, uh, hey Dave, uh, me and my friend Dave Prudenti, we would just go to Barnes and Noble and just walk around the store and mostly we were in the um, the new age section, you know, all about spirituality. And it's amazing how you can walk down a, a wall of books and there's one book that somehow jumps out at you and it's like it's telling you, hey, read me, you know? Does, has that ever happened to you, Maria? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of books. And, and like you said, Chris, you know, you buy the book and then you want more. Um, so, so a lot of my life has been books and then a course, or books and then a major experience. So, um, absolutely, a lot of great, great things out there. And I think I mentioned once before. Uh, I think the first time you were on the show because you've been on a couple other episodes, and and I'm I'm looking forward to keeping this conversation going. But one of the first times I met you, you gave a, a presentation on uh, the book, The Secret. And that really influenced me. I think I read it because because of your presentation. Um, did you did you also see the, the, the DVD, The Secret? Yes, yes. The Secret became very central in my life. Um, uh, I had the DVD. I never uh, watched it. And for some reason, I read the book first, mm. then watched the DVD, and then um, I had to drive. I had a long drive to work back in those days, 
and I used to listen to the audiobook just over and over and over again. Mm. I had found the secret very, very fascinating. Right, and the whole, so obviously the secret is about the law of attraction, this idea that our thinking can actually, you know, attract things into our lives. Um, how did that concept resonate with you in, in, when you first uh, read or listened to The Secret? So, um, I think the majority of my life, you know, the, the main book was the Bible, and um, what resonated with me was that if you do certain things, then good things happen to you, right? So, um, you know, if you're a good person, if you if you do good deeds, right, um, th- then, you know, uh, you achieve going to heaven or, you know, you achieve being happy. Um, the secret, well, to be totally honest, Chris, um, when I when I was exposed to Dale Carnegie, and as you know, became an instructor of the course, um, Dale Carnegie kind of did the same thing. He wrote a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And his book is not really about spirituality, but it is about how to be successful in life, right? But within that course... Uh, again, you know, Del Carnegie says if you, um, you know, if you don't criticize, condemn, and, and complain, if you give honest, sincere appreciation to people, if you become genuinely interested in other people, if you smile, um, if you make the, if you make the the other person feel like the most important person on earth, if you listen to people. Um, that will cause you to be successful not only in life but in your career, right? But when you took the course, there was something very interesting in it. Um, In the course, you had to write a vision of where you want your life to be within the next, back then it was, you know, a a 12-week course. So where do you want your life to be in the next three months? And that was fascinating to me because it introduced the concept of you don't just do good things and good things happen to you, but you could almost create your life. Um, But but the Del Carnegie course didn't do a deep dive in that. You know, it just said you create a vision. It has to be in present tense. So wherever you are going, you make it as though it's happening right now. You have to make it positive, and you have to put a lot of emotion in it. Mm -hmm. So when The Secret came out, the reason that I was totally, totally fascinated by it is that it was giving me the answer as to how the Dale Carnegie vision worked. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, the secret started saying that if you ask for something, and if you believe that it could happen in your life, and if you are ready to receive it, then you will attract it. So um, mm-hmm. uh, I became very fascinated with, really, <laughs> how come doesn't everybody have 
what they want. You know, uh, doesn't everybody ask for good things? And of course everybody does. But do we believe that they could really come true? And are we open to receiving it? Mm, that's a <laughs> Those are some great questions, and that's totally, totally relevant to the spiritual path. Um, yeah, and I just want to say that the book "How to Win Friends and Influence People" that was one of my one of the first books I read uh, on my journey as well, and that to this day is one of the most influential books for me because it 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 it's so simple and it's so practical. I mean, one of one of the one of the concepts in that book is to smile. And yeah. if you just smile, it, you know, good things happen. It's, you know, it's not rocket science. <laughs> well, well, absolutely. One of the exercises that I do in class, I tell people to think about a really bad thought. Think something that really upsets you. And then I ask people to smile and try to think about it again. And what's interesting, it becomes extremely difficult to think bad thoughts if you're smiling. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of people that struggle with having happy thoughts or being optimistic. You know, there's some people that would love to embrace, um, you know, it, it, a really good day, right? And and don't know how to get there. And like you said, Chris, all you need to do is smile. <laughs> <laughs> and and it starts deleting, you know, all of the negative thoughts that are coming your way. Right. So this is great. So um, how about uh, how about some other books, Maria? Did have, I mean you mentioned the Bible? Um, obviously, that was a big uh, part of your life growing up, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. But, but, Chris, what, what has happened, where I have evolved, right, is, is a space where there are some universal truths. And, and you know, the Bible plus the vision aspect of Dale Carnegie plus the secret in a big way uh, pointed to me that there are some basic universal truths and right now it seems that every book kind of leads it's almost a door into that exact same truth so so the universal uh, truths that you know I'm referencing is that really the universe is made out of love you know there's the universal truth is that there is love inside of us. There is love everywhere. The universal truth is that there is abundance. Um, this is an abundant world, and it's definitely an abundant universe. There is joy. Um, there is oneness, meaning we're all one. If, if I hurt you, Chris, I may not know it but I'm really hurting myself. And the other thing is that when anybody hurts on this earth, everybody is hurting in some way. And, and those are just some things that are truths, but we're not aware of them, right? 
um, we know there is health, there is eternity. And um, basically, you know, in, in the first show we talked about how I ended up in, um, in Taiwan, you know, at, and we talked about the clay Buddha. And, and basically, in the center of all of us, there is this universal truth we're made up of, love, abundance, joy, oneness, health, eternity. And, and when we turn away from that, that's when we have the opposite, right? We have pain, we have lack, we have separation, we have illness, we... Um, we have we're not happy anymore you know we we start not being happy yeah lonely exactly we think that we're on our own little island you know and we're by ourselves that's when we start competing we start being jealous of one another it's you know the kind of our ego takes over mm. and um so so a lot of the books um, and and a lot of the Bible, right, basically brings us right back to the universal truths. Um, with the secret, I think, um, you know, the workshop that you mentioned, uh, it became such a popular book. And then, of course, what what happens after a popular book comes out? Um, a lot of people start saying, well, it doesn't work, you know. <laughs> I asked, I believed, I you know, I was open to receiving and nothing happened in my life. Right. And um, I think the workshop that, that you reference, I said, you know what, you guys? Yeah, maybe they didn't emphasize it in the book as much as they should have. But in order to attract things in your life... You have to be coming from a point of love, from a point of abundance, from a point of gratitude. You can't say, I want to have this and I don't care what happens to anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> or, I, have, I don't have anything, so, you know, so I want it. You know, <laughs> if you're coming from a point of lack, you're not going to be able to attract it. And if you're not grateful about the great things that, that are already in your life, then you're also blocking receiving great things. So, so you know, the, the workshop that, that uh, I had created back then was called The Secret to the Secret. <laughs> mm, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> Which, which was basically, let's go back to the universal truths of love, abundance, joy, oneness, health, eternity. And then when we come from that, then if we ask, you know, if you want a new car, you don't say, oh, my gosh, I ne you know, I never had a nice car, so now <laughs> I want a Rolls Royce. <laughs> you need to come from the point of everything I have is wonderful, and I'm ready to receive all these other things. Mm. That's so true. That's great. The, the, I like the aspect you mentioned about universal truths. And I think that when we read books and something, there, it resonates with us somehow, that's actually what's resonating is that underlying universal truth. You know, I think we get caught up in day-to-day -day living 
and these really deep universal truths, which you just mentioned many of them, um, we don't focus on them enough or think about them. So when we pick up a good book and we read it, it's like this little light bulb goes off and says, wow, yeah, that's true, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so Chris, after The Secret, right, where the light bulb went on for me uh, regarding, oh, my gosh, is, is you know, um, one, one of my very, very favorite prayers um, was um, from St. Francis of Assisi, you know, where he says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. And where there's sadness, joy. Um, grant that may not so much seek to be consoled, but to console. To not, not to be understood as to understand. Not to be loved as to love, right? So that prayer is always in my heart and I was like oh my gosh even within Christianity even within the Bible basically we're being transported to these universal truths you know uh, this prayer tells us to to go back to to loving to go back to knowing there is you know an abundance of everything there is joy we're all connected you know so um a, a lot of, a, a lot of the books that came after that uh, now I was able to connect the dots, right? Mm, nice. <laughs> so uh, my my next exposure was Marianne Williamson oh. and the return to love. And um, uh, she turned on the light. And again, this is a very famous quote from the book, right? Okay. But, but basically, she, you know, we seem to struggle about you know, being successful and about, you know, um, are we good enough? You know, we always have these thoughts of inadequacy, right? So in the book I read, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It's our light not our darkness that most frighten us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. We're, we're born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So, 
that whole concept of light versus darkness, right? And um, we always feel um, in our clay state. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) We are afraid of our inadequacies um, when in reality we know of our oneness with God, with the universe, and we know of our light. And and maybe that's what our deepest fear is. <laughs> We're so fearful of of how um, how huge we are, right? The eternity of God that that is also within us. Yeah, that's a great point, and it it's almost that that fear is because in a way it's unknown, right? We don't know the full, you know, full depth and breadth of that d- divinity that's in us, and it it. Maybe intimidated is a better word. Um. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. But, you know, with that, um, how much beating up do we do with ourselves, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I I always say, you know, does everybody hear voices? You know, we have that little voice in our head that always tells us, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't, you know. (laughs) And we're always beating ourselves up. And one of everybody's famous saying seems to be, well, we're not perfect. Mm. And that almost, you know, rings an alarm for me, you know, because the minute that you say I'm not perfect, you almost give yourself an excuse to, to not reach, you know, for your full potential, what you were here to do. Um, So so I I always ask people, you know, do you believe the universe is perfect? Do you believe God is perfect? And, you know, most people say, well, yeah. Well, how could something perfect create something imperfect? Does, Does something perfect even have the capability to create something imperfect? And I really believe that all of us are perfect for what we are here to do. Even the person in the wheelchair, even the person, you know, that has any kind of disability. And and we all have, we don't all have the same talents, right? We're, we're very good at saying, well, I can't do this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Right. But guess what? You're not supposed to be. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're perfect for what you were here to achieve, right? So um, it, it just gives a different dimension to the way that we approach life. And, um, you know, beating ourselves up weakens us. And we don't have time for that. Life is too short to be weak and to be sad and to be competing and to missing out I'm loving everything and everyone around us. Yes, and then of course receiving mo- even more of that love that we give out. So absolutely, I always say that what I have found is impossible to give. You know, every time you try to give, so much more comes back. <laughs> <laughs> right? You just keep getting more. Yeah. So, so Chris, you know. After my Marianne Williamson uh, revelation, you know, came Wayne Dyer, right? And um, uh, 
I read many, 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 many of his books. You know, The Ten Secrets for Success and Inner Peace, um, The Inspiration, Your Ultimate Calling, The Power of Intention, um, Change Your Thoughts and Change Your Life. And what was very interesting is I had read The Power of Intention before The Secret came out. And when The Secret came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, how could it be that simple? Mm. So so I, I always thought that The Power of Intention was almost The Secret, but explained in a more complicated way. <laughs> <laughs> or more depth, yeah, something like that, more detail. Um, so, 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 Chris, you know, um, all of the Wayne Dyer books, again, you know, right back to the universal truths. Um, But what was very interesting about Marianne Williamson and Wayne Dyer is in their books they kept referencing this. I thought it was a course they had taken. You know, they they keep referencing the Course in Miracles. Have have you heard of that, Chris? I actually have. My my wife just bought it, and um, yeah, she just started reading it. She loves it. We're in the we're so in the same path <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because um, it, it kept repeating in my mind that, as an example, Marianne Williamson's return to love is really her reflection on the Course in Miracles. So, um, and Wayne Dyer kept referencing it um, to the point where, you know, just recently. I started diving into The Course in Miracles, which, of course, is phenomenal, and it'll take a year. Did, 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 did Mahler uh, buy the workbook, too? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know. Yeah, most of the time it comes, you know, in, in three uh, sections. Oh, okay. Yeah, the book, and then there's a workbook. And the workbook gives you 365 exercises, one a day. So it takes you a year to finish it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, what's what's, um, very, very interesting about that book, and again, um, brings us right back to universal truths, but it's how it does it. And um, The Course in Miracles kind of um, looks, you know, looks at section, you know, it addresses what is God, what is love, what is reality, what are miracles, what is is ego. And um, it approaches, it, it starts out with what is real versus what is unreal. And, and it tells us nothing real can be threatened, mm. you know, and nothing unreal exists. <laughs> <laughs> and right there is the peace of God, right? Mm. So, um... Uh, That's <laughs> great. I love that. Nothing real can... Say that again? Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. And herein lies the peace of God. Wow, that is tremendous. So, and, yeah. Go ahead, and, Maria. No, no, and the other thing that it does, it talks a lot about knowledge versus perception, right? And and I think this is, you know, the author's approach to uh, 
the gold in the Buddha versus, you know, the clay. Mm. And they say knowledge is truth under one law. It's the law of love or the law of God. Truth is, you know, truth doesn't change. It's eternal and it's unambiguous. Um, And, and, you know, um, the truth and knowledge is within everything that God created and only what he created is real, right? Mm. And then the world of perception is the world of time. You know, we always run out of time. Mm. It's the world of change. It's a world that has a beginning and an end versus being eternal. It's based on interpretation. It's not based on facts. It's a world of birth and death. Um, the world of perception is founded in the belief that there's scarcity instead of abundance. Within the world of perception, there is loss. There is separation. You know, in, in, in the world of perception, you know, we believe that we're all separate. And there is death. And um, that's a great. That, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Chris. No, that's a great distinction between knowledge and perception. I really like that. Yeah. 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 So, so um, you know, we continue in this journey. You know, this very, very important journey of continuing to learn about the universe and understanding that within our universal truths, within love, abundance, joy, openness. Uh, that is where, you know, we will find our happiness and we will find God's peace. Very cool. This has been great, Maria. This is some great stuff. Um, wow. Thank you for sharing so much of your uh, insights, just, a, I mean, a little bit of your insights, I'm sure, uh, along your own path. Um, those are, I mean, we talked about several really great books, The Secret, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, Marianne Williamson, which I have not read yet, and uh, Wayne Dyer, I've read some of his, and and A Course in Miracles as well. So, um, wow. Thank you so much, Maria, for for coming on again. Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's really appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, and and you know what else I wanted to ask you about, which we're, again, might have to save till next time, is kind of maybe talking about a couple of the courses, you know, the actual seminars or courses that you took, your experience of going to the place, you know, meeting different people, you know, seeing people speak live and, and your experience of that whole thing. Uh, I think that would be, I would love to hear about some of, of that experience of yours. That sounds fantastic. I have lots of stories. <laughs> That's great. And by the way, did you hear that Mike Schmidt was on the show earlier this week and he dubbed himself Mystic Mike? I love it. <laughs> so now we have Mystic Maria and Mystic Mike, and I, t- I told him that my wife is going to be ha- going to have to be uh, Mystic Muller. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, she definitely is, right? Yeah, yeah. And another thing I wanted to tell you is one of our friends that we meditate with. Her name is Honor Finnegan. She is a singer, and she has a few albums, and she actually. Made a song called "The Prayer of Saint Francis," and she actually sings the prayer. And there's music, and it's it's like a song, um, and it's really good. So what I want to do is um, we're gonna um, we'll end the show, and I'll play the outro music. But after the show theme fades out, I'm gonna play Honor Finnegan's song, 
Um, so if you want to stay on the line, Maria, you can hear it. Or if you want to just, you know, jump on the computer and listen to the station real quick, or else you can hear it um, on the next Pause Your Life meetup that uh, that we have. Um, so, yeah, I want to play that song, so I'm interested for you to, to hear it, Maria, since you mentioned Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I can't wait. And I always have another station in the background, so I, I will definitely listen to it on my computer. Oh, sweet. All right. Well, thank you, Maria. We'll say goodbye, and, I'll, and we'll just uh, close the show. So thanks again, Maria. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Bye. Bye. And that... Wow. What a show today. I mean, I'm glad you could join us. And interested in what books have influenced your life. So if you um, want to send us a message through the website, themysticshow.net, feel free. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Bring some of this energy into your everyday. And as always, keep shining. Understood